0: Let's pray as we prepare to hear the word of the Lord. Lord, you come to us with your comfort. You come to us with your power. You come to us with what we most stand in need of. Lord, today we ask that you speak to us through your word. Help us to hear your word as you speak with your power and your authority, and help us to to truly receive what you have to say. And Lord, work not just through your word, but through your spirit within us so so that we are receptive, so that your word is able to change our lives. Father, all of us need transformation. All of us need comfort. All of us need hope. We pray that you provide each one of us with what we need this morning. Amen. So as I mentioned a bit earlier, Mac and I will be preaching through Isaiah chapters 40 to 55 this summer. Isaiah 1 through 39 is focused on the Lord really declaring a lot of judgment on sin, judgment on his own people, judgment on the nations around him. And then in Isaiah 40 to 55, we have a turn where the Lord continues to to offer condemnation of many wrongs, but more and more there is this turn toward hope and restoration after a time of struggle and even exile. And after the last couple years of the pandemic, all of the challenges that we have faced, Mac and I felt like it would be really good to spend some time in these chapters that, that really help us to hear that yes, the Lord is righteous and powerful, and and has a certain way that we should live. But but along with that, He is gracious and compassionate; that He truly loves us as His children. So that is where we will be spending this summer, reflecting on what God shows us and how He shows us His grace. And a new and transformed way of living. So, we've early in the service read through or in different ways worked through Isaiah 41 through 11. We're going to pick up now with verse 12 and read to the end of Isaiah 40. So, hear now the word of the Lord Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? "'Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket "'or weighed the mountains on the scales "'and the hills in a balance? "'Who has understood the mind of the Lord "'or instructed Him as His counselor? "'Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten Him, "'and who taught Him the right way? "'Who was it that taught Him knowledge "'or showed Him the path of understanding? "'Surely the nations are like a drop in the bucket. "'They are regarded as dust on the scales. "'He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust.' Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him all the nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. To whom then will you compare God? What image will you compare him to? As for an idol, a craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it. A man too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. He looks for a skilled craftsman to set up an idol that will not topple. "'Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing.' No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither, and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing." Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles, they will run and not grow weary, they will walk and not be faint. This is the word of the Lord. So a couple weeks ago, Laura and I took a quarry tour at the Thornton Quarry, and that is the quarry that if you're driving to Michigan, the highway goes between these two huge holes in the ground, And, and you might not notice it. Some people, I would guess among you, close your eyes and just hold on until you get over it. But it is a huge quarry, one of the biggest in the nation. We had the the chance to tour it, so we went down into it. And the way they have it set up is it's kind of organized in steps, that every time you go down about 80 feet, and then there's another wall after a while, you go down another 80 feet and another 80 feet. And the way they mine out the quarry at this point is they drill down and they put dynamite in the walls and then they blow off hundreds of tons of, well, it's mostly limestone in there. They blow off hundreds of tons of limestone off the wall and then they have this huge front loader that picks up maybe five or six tons at a time and loads these dump trucks that are huge. They carry dozens of tons, not dozens of pounds, dozens of tons of rock up and out of the quarry day after day after day after day. So they, they put us on school buses and we drive through the quarry and they talk about this area and that area and we have this over here and that over there and this is where the dump trucks dump their loads of, you know, whatever it is, 45 tons or so. And then there's a point in the tour, and, and Laura and I were not really well prepared for this, but but there's a point in the tour where they, they stop the school buses And they say, well, there's an awful lot of fossils around here because we think this used to be a giant coral reef. And we basically put a dump truck load over there. You can take whatever you want, whatever you can carry, fossils, anything, whatever you can carry, fit on the bus, you can take home. So Laura and I get off the bus and think, well, we'll look at the rocks. And then all these people get off the bus and they are like concealed carry people here with their hammers, and people are pulling chisels out of pockets, and they've got five-gallon buckets they're coming out with, and they get to work on these rocks. There are are people leaning over and staring, and they're chiseling out the rocks, and Laura and I grab a few fossils. They are pretty cool. You can just walk around and pick up basically fossilized sea creatures. So we take, you know, they gave us a bag. We took maybe 10 or 12 things, and we were kind of done, but other people, oh, man. This was serious work. They almost had to drag them off the rocks, and then these people come back with like two five gallon buckets, and they're like, Yeah, I got my rocks. I got my fossils. I got more than you. And they get on, they have to kind of shove themselves into the school bus, and we drive up. And when we get to the top, well, first we have to follow this about mile and a half long conveyor belt they have that brings the rock from where the dump trucks dump it up to the final processing station. And the tour guide points out on the way all the different grades of rock, and they can make everything from a flower consistency to rocks as big as a person. They can do all of that there. And he points out all of this, and then as we're about to exit, the bus stops, and he points out how we're about to go through their scales, and, you know, the trucks that come in, they weigh them empty, they weigh them full, and they charge for the difference. Dramatic pause. So what we're going to do is we're going to weigh the school bus, and then we're going to charge all of you for the rocks you have. And some of the 10, you know, five-gallon bucket guys, (gasps) ooh! And then he laughed and no, we're not going to charge you for that. The trucks take out like 50,000 pounds of rock at a time. We're not, you, you got nothing. It's, it's a drop in the bucket. Well, our text starts there. With, with what might seem like huge, heavy loads, with what might seem like power to us and really to the Lord, it's just a drop in the bucket. It's just, it's just dust on the scales, cosmically. Now remember, these are, when we get to Isaiah 40, these are verses that are speaking to people who have just heard again and again that they have been judged, that they are in trouble, that they are probably about to lose their land because they have disobeyed God continually, century after century, and they are troubled by this, and, and they wonder if the Lord is still with them, and, and who is the Lord Really? And so Isaiah 40 sets out to recalibrate their sense of things, and verses 12 to 26 show us that that the key thing that God's people need to do is to behold our God. Behold our God, says verses 12 to 26. And and we're going to go through these verses relatively quickly, and then really slow down for some verses at the end. But these verses really want us to look at the Lord, and to really pay attention to who He is, not just a a quick glance, yeah, I I know, I know, I know, He's God, yeah, 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 but to really think through what does it mean that He is the Lord God and how does that compare to other gods? You know, we were missionaries in Nigeria for a few years and and often if you go to the market, they'd sell you things in what they called measures. There was this kind of standard bowl that they'd throw stuff in and And then they'd pour it into a basket for you or pour it into a bag. And, of course, you didn't care about the dusting, the little bit that's left there. Well, if you're walking around with a five-gallon bucket of water and you spill a couple drops, you really don't care, right? If you run a huge quarry and a few crazy tourists want to take a bucket full of fossils out, let them take it. It doesn't matter. And what Isaiah 40 tells us is that all the other powers of the world all these other so-called great gods, the gods of the Babylonians, and, and pick your ancient power, pick your ancient people group, or, or pick the powers of today, those great powers. What are they really? Dust on the scales, a drop in the bucket. That is all any other power is compared to the Lord God. Only the Lord has held all the waters of the earth in the palm of His hand. Only the Lord has, has held the earth like a basket or, or weighed up the mountains. You know, it took centuries and centuries, but scientists have figured out, and they can figure out the mass of a mountain by doing a lot of measurements and taking careful calculations. But picture that compared to God just being able to well, lift up a mountain and say, yeah, it, it weighs this much. Or God being able to hold a planet in his hand and say, oh, this is how much this planet weighs. Or God being able to hold a galaxy in the palm of his hand and say, I made this. And this is nothing compared to me, but these are all the details of how I lovingly constructed all of this. The whole universe is like nothing compared to the Lord. And the nations are like nothing compared to the Lord. There was a a verse in this text that really confused me the first couple go-rounds. I had to go to a commentary for it. But but it talks about Lebanon and how all Lebanon's forests aren't enough and all its animals aren't enough. And and the picture the text wants us to have jumped to mind that probably would have jumped to mind for the initial audience is, is think of a landscape famous for its trees as Lebanon was truly famous for its cedars in that time. And now picture that whole country being set aflame as an offering. And all the animals within it being, being offered to make a sacrifice. Maybe, maybe picture all of Michigan's upper peninsula. The whole thing set ablaze and every animal within it offered as an offering to the Lord. And, and the Lord would look at that and say, that is nothing. That is nothing. And then attention turns to the gods of the nations and, and it mocks and mock is probably the right word there. The text mocks the gods of the nations because, well, if you're really wealthy, you maybe could go and you could pay somebody to make you a golden god. You know, you'd give them the specifications, make the god this big, do this, do that, and then, then you can have your little golden god that you can take home. And if you can't afford your golden god, well, then maybe at least you can pick out a piece of wood that isn't going to rot for a while. And you can say, carve me a god from that piece of wood. And make sure... There's a little line in there. Make sure that it doesn't topple over. And we found a number of ancient uh, ancient deities, ancient idols from this time that actually have some kind of spike on the bottom. So the idea would be you'd have to take this god to where you'd want to display him, and then you'd set him up there, and you'd have to bang him into his post or otherwise smash him down because it's really embarrassing if you're in the middle of a worship service and your god falls flat on his face. Like, who... Who really wants to serve a God who goes splat when you've got company over? And yet we can figure from that design feature that that probably happened, that there probably was a time when with some regularity, the ancient idols of the world would just fall flat on their faces during worship services. And what what kind of God is that, asks Isaiah 40. And then Isaiah 40 invites us again to look to the Lord and to see this God who who spreads the heavens like a tent. And if you've ever been in a tent, they're getting bigger and bigger these days, but if you've ever been in a tent, well, think about what it would be like to inhabit the universe like a tent. To have it be something that you just spread out to cover you for, for your convenience. And this is the kind of Lord God that we're talking about. This is not a small deity. This is nothing you can control. You cannot carry this God home and, and set him up in your neighborhood or in your house to do what you want. This is a God who is beyond all other comparison. Clearly, and this is really the message of Isaiah forty twelve to 26, there is no God like the Lord. To whom will you compare me, the Lord asked, and the answer is clearly Nobody. Nobody is like the Lord. And that's a message for the people then and there, but it's also a message for us now. And and maybe this is the message that you need to hear today, to just behold our God. And there are times that we are reminded of how great our God is, that He is far above all other powers and authorities, and that motivates us to again commit to Him and to serve the Lord. And maybe that is all you need to hear today. Or maybe you are, you are struggling, you're in a hard point in life, and, and what you need to hear is that the Lord God truly is great. He is powerful beyond all powers, and so, so He is able to make things right. Isaiah 40 begins with, comfort, comfort my people. And one, one part of Isaiah 40's intent is to call us to serve the Lord and to commit to Him, and another is, is for us simply to know that the Lord is with us and the Lord is with us for us. And all these verses that we've talked about so far, all the questions in them, all the, all the images in them would have been, in some respect, easy for Israel to understand. Those people, they knew that the Lord was the only true God. They knew that. This was not new information, but they needed a reminder. They needed a reminder. And even when we get to first, verse 26, they might have still needed a reminder. And so verse 27 offers up some questions the people are asking. And the basic question is, what if we can't see God? All right, you tell me, behold our God, but what if I can't see God right now? What if I need to say with Isaiah 40, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Painful words coming out of real struggle and real questions. Again, at this point, you should expect that that God's people are looking exile in the face. The Lord has said, you have failed and failed and failed and failed and failed, and my patience is at an end, and it's consequence time. There will be judgment. And when these words were first written and afterwards, Israel, Israel is looking at being carried away from the land God has given them and brought to a far distant country, and, and almost without exception, perhaps without exception, when people got carried away like that in the ancient world up to this point, they never came back. It was the end of that people group if some great and mighty empire came and, and carried them off and dispersed them among the, the nations. End of story, finished, done. And so Israel, as they, as they look toward that happening to them, as they look toward being carried away, they, they might rightfully ask the question, is, is this the end? And how can this be? And what about when we, we, we turn to the Lord and 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 still these things are gonna happen to us? What then? What then? Now when his his commentary on this chapter, John Calvin gives us what I think is a really helpful picture that he talks about how there are times in our suffering when it's like a cloud comes between us and the sun. And I think we probably can all picture a time when a the sunny day was on and, and then this massive dark cloud comes in front of the sun and it got dark and the weather turned threatening and, and we couldn't see the light. And Calvin is very honest in saying we as believers have times when we can't see the light. When there is this dark cloud that seems to come between the Lord and us and okay, yeah, we know the sun is up there somewhere, but, but it doesn't feel like we're having any kind of warmth or any kind of light or any kind of anything from the sun right now. And that is where your life is. And we can't pretend otherwise. And And yes, we know God is there, but still, what about right now? What if I can't see Him? What if there is a cloud in the way? Now when we get to Isaiah 40, verses 28 to 31, we'll talk a little bit more about, about some solutions to that or some answers to that. But I think verse 27 invites us to a couple responses. And one response is when there is a cloud between us and the Lord, when we feel like we're in the darkness and and we just aren't feeling it. One response is lament. One response is to acknowledge that we are in a hard place and we don't have the answers and we aren't feeling it and we are deeply existentially troubled. Troubled and that is a response of faith, and that is a response that the Scriptures model for us and show us to adopt, that there are times when we simply need to say, how long, God? How long? Why is this happening? We are called to lament, but then we are also called to repent, There may be times when we feel like we're in the darkness and the problem is not that there's a cloud out there. The problem is that we have put our hands over our eyes and we have turned our back on the Lord and we don't really want to see the light because the light is going to challenge how we want to live. And so Isaiah 40, with all its words of comfort, also calls us to ask ourselves some hard questions. We are invited to ask the Lord hard questions. He welcomes those But then the Lord also pushes us to ask hard questions of ourselves. How are we turning away from Him? How are we sending up smoke clouds to get between us and the will of the Lord? And, you know, there are times in life when we need to hear one or the other, where where we really need to live and to lament or really need to live and to repent. And perhaps, perhaps this is a time in your life when you really need to focus on one or the other, and that's okay. But over the course of our lives as Christians, we should expect, if we are really following a God who is mightier than all the universe, that there would be times when we won't understand his plan and when it's hard. And we should also anticipate that there will be times when when because we live in a broken world, we are not in line with God's will, and so we need to do the hard work of, of really listening to God and changing who we are and how we function. How is God challenging you today? Perhaps it's a call to lament. Perhaps it's a command to repent. But as Isaiah 40 presents these questions, it frames them not as ultimate questions, but but as questions on the way, as questions that help us maybe move toward the answer the Lord intends to give us. And, And the final answer in the final verses of this chapter is that the everlasting Lord renews our strength. Verses 12 to 26 show us that the Lord is God. And then there's there's a little bit of a pause in verse 27 to acknowledge that we do have questions. But then there's this cascade of images. The Lord won't grow tired or weary. He works in ways beyond what we can fathom. He gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired. Even young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And this is reality. And this is reality, not just out there cosmically, but this is reality in every single one of our lives that that the Lord is with us to care for us, to comfort us, and to transform us. Well, we do face challenges to this in our lives, day by day, year by year. There are times when it is really hard to believe this. In a number of my preaching classes, they had this, this rubric for thinking about preaching, that you need to talk about the good news of the gospel, you need to talk about the bad news of, of God's judgment or hard things happening in the world, and then you need to find, then you need to find stories that really talk about how hard the world is, but also how good the world is. And then Teachers would usually stop and say, but really it's hard to find stories about good things happening in the world. It can be really, really hard to see how God is at work. And that is simply part of our lives. That it is really hard often to see how God is at work. And so John Calvin, again, going back to his commentary, he talks about how often there is this cloud over the sun, but then he tells us that texts like Isaiah 40 here are intended to provide us with comfort and consolation in those hard times. Calvin does not, and no, I think no genuine Christian thinker or preacher says life will always be easy. The sun will always shine. It will always be warm and pleasant. That, that is not the Christian life. The Christian life is full of trouble, and even if we do our best, there are times that we suffer deeply. And that is why God includes in His Word passages like this that tell us that the sun is still there. We might not right now be able to see how the Lord is at work, but but beyond those clouds, the sun is still there. We do sometimes have to wait on God, but waiting on God isn't, isn't frantic, frantic unsettledness, nor is it just marking time with, with impatience, but it can be living in confidence that the Lord does renew us. And if you think cosmically, the biggest, darkest cloud on planet earth is nothing, Nothing at all compared to the sun that our planet orbits around, and certainly nothing at all compared to the Lord who has made all of this. So the Lord has, well, He has resources beyond what we can dream, and He is at work in ways that we don't often understand or see. If you drive that interstate past the Hammond Hammond quarry, well, you really don't see much of it, right? You can kind of glance over and get the sense there's a big hole there, but you really don't see the scope of it. And a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that comes out of there gets used up in the Chicago area. So if you drive around, if, if you're on the prairie path or the Great Western, if, if you've ever been somewhere where there's concrete in the Chicago area, and all of us have, right? Well, a lot of that comes from that quarry. And God's grace and God's power and God's presence and God's comfort is a little bit like that quarry that there is, there is the reality of it and there is evidence of it all around us. Everywhere we go, there is limestone from that quarry and everywhere we go, there is God's grace. We often take it for granted. We often walk over it. We often don't see it. But everywhere we go, there is God's comfort and God's grace and God's word and God's spirit with us. So in the weeks ahead I want to invite you at, at hard seasons, hard days, hard weeks, hard times that when you step out of your car and step up onto a concrete curb or when you go for a walk down the prairie path or or any time that you see something with a bit of stone in it that you be reminded that you, re, you be reminded that, that the presence of the Lord is with you and even if you don't always have the eyes to see it The Son is there, and God is there with us. He never leaves us or forsakes us. He may let us pass through really hard times, but He is truly with us, and He will renew us. Those who hope in the Lord do renew their strength in His power. Behold our God. Behold our God who is for us and who is with us. Let's pray. Father, open our eyes so that we can see you. Father, so often in this life, whether because of our own actions or because of things out of our control, we do feel like we are living in the darkness. Lord, we pray that you give us vision to see through the clouds, to see your light. Lord, we pray that you give us the power we need to follow in your way, whether that means we need to repent and turn whether that means we simply need to pick ourselves up off the ground and and get going again, or, or whether that means we need to continue in the long walk of obedience and faith. Lord, give us eyes to see, light up our paths, help us to follow you. Amen.